Thank you so much. It's good to be back in the South. Um, I happened to be in the South when that big football game went down last year, when Alabama beat, um, no, Auburn beat Alabama, so, sorry. <laughs> and that was, a, that was a pretty remarkable game, but um, as you can tell, my, my accent is, is from the South of England, not the South of the U.S., and I live in Sweden. We, we pastor a church there, my wife and I, called The River. My wife is Swedish from head to toe. And it's, um, we, we spent many, many years living in California, so we're very used to American culture, and we, we love being back. And our ministry headquarters, actually, and offices are actually still in California, and we, we, we're back there on a, you know, on a regular basis. So you guys look like you need a good, funny story to start with. It's Sunday, it's raining outside, you're thinking, what's this northern European coming with all this bad weather, you know? Let me tell you, it's been like that for f- six months in Sweden, so it's nothing to worry about. <laughs> it does change. Beautiful Christian school, and all the children are lining up to get their dinner. And right at the start of the line, there's a, there's a beautiful bowl of delicious green apples. And because it's a Christian school, some, one of the teachers has put over this sign saying, take only one apple, God is watching you. And they're pursued to take all the other items. Right at the end, there's a basket of freshly made chocolate chip cookies. And some cheeky child had written over the top of the chocolate chip cookies, take as many as you want, God is watching the apples. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's, I've got this kind of British humor thing going down that, that is kind of interesting. Anyhow, um, we've actually got a table out the back there. Um, as you go through, I think, these doors, there's a table just to the left there. And we've got a bunch of stuff on there. Um, as, as Pastor Greg has already mentioned, we, we've been in missions now nearly 30 years. And we spent a lot of time in West Africa um, specifically Ghana. I think we've been ministering in Ghana now for 23 years. We've lived there for some of that time. We have a training center in Accra, as well as um, our school is over a number of different parts of the, of the nation. Um, we, we were involved in starting, helping start a Christian radio station in Accra. And I think our four years there were both bitter and sweet. I realized who I, you know, I realized a, a, a lot of the broken areas in my life during that time God really revealed. And in some ways, it was very, very tough for us um, individually and as a, in our marriage and in our family, because some of the things you face when you live in West Africa, you, you, you realize you're not all together as you thought you were. Because living in a very sophisticated culture and then going living in a developing nation are two different, very, very different things. So we, we, we love Africa. We've got some very dear and close friends there, especially in Ghana. And one thing that we try to do is that we try to connect in some ways the cultures. And one way we do this is that there's, um, in Ghana, a lot of people make um, what they call West African trade beads. And here are some trade beads here. You can't see them very well because you're 300 yards away from me. But not to worry, you can imagine what they look like. But they make these from broken glass. And they get these bottles, whether it's beer bottles, whatever type of bottle it is, and they smash the bottles back down into sand, and they put these, the, the sand into the, these um, forms, the, these like clay forms, and then they put them in these very primitive ovens up to 800 degrees, and they make every single one of these beads by hand that way. And we, when we go there, we buy literally thousands of beads. We bring them back. My wife puts them into keychains, bracelets, earrings, and we use them as a way just to help support missions. And that way we, we, you know, we can help uh, you know, entrepreneurship in Africa as well. It also it helps both ends of the scale, if you know what I mean. But the unique thing about these beads is this, is that every single one of them is painted by hand. I'll get a bit closer to you so you have a, a chance to see. Every single one of these beads are, are painted by hand. And there's no one bead that is the same. And I tell people, it's just like you and I. If there's someone else in the world exactly like you, one of you isn't necessary. Because we were created uniquely in the image of God 
And there's only one, absolutely one of our type. And we were created for his purpose. We were created to love him, created to be loved by him, and created for his glory. And so we just do this as a way of just telling a bit of a story. And the, the, the really remarkable thing about this, these beads is that at times we feel like God is crushing us. We feel like the intensity of God's presence upon us is so dealing in the core issues in our life that it, it feels like our, our lives are kind of crumbling. Well, it's, it, it literally does feel like that at times. But the beautiful picture about these beads is that he takes the brokenness under the fire of his presence and he forms it into what it was created for. And that's exactly what Daddy does with us. So who would like a free keychain? Sir? Ah, nearly. See, they won't sign me up for the Yankees this year. Also, um, we have some CD products back there. Um, I'm going to be sharing some on this this morning. Um, this is kind of a heart message that I have called Double Portion, Our Inheritance. I'll explain to you more as we get through the message, but I just want to bless somebody with this. Madam, you were the first one to put your hand up. In fact, in some churches, I get people to run forward and you have a li little bit of a stampede, you know, just to give people a little bit of exercise. Also, um, <laughs> excuse my humor. Um, this is, we, we work in Ghana, and this is a bit of information about what we're doing in Ghana. This one is about our school in Liberia. We're working, um, and it's worth telling the story because um, Jonathan Melissa actually came out with us there last year. Um, one of the things that happened in the 90s was that a civil war went down in Liberia, which created a whole refugee crisis in West Africa, where Liberians literally went north into Guinea, west into Sierra Leone, and then others went east as well, many of them arriving in Ghana. And one of the things that we did in Ghana when we actually lived in Ghana was to go and work on one of the Liberian refugee camps. Little did we know that one of the person, people that we were involved with training was a man that had started multiple congregations, churches in Guinea and in Liberia. And once we train him, he goes back to Liberia with an incredible heart for the children because he knows that in, in Liberia, because of the war, under 50% of the population are 18 or under. And that's, that's absolutely huge. Because that's what civil war does. It takes out all the men. It just completely disables the infrastructure of a nation, especially in a developing nation. And so my friend Jala goes back, starts a daycare center, what he called a daycare center, right in the northern city um, of Liberia, a city called Vonjama, with 35 children. Now we're working together with him on that. Now we've got over 550 We've just bought five acres of land and are about to build a school there. And the most amazing thing is this. One of my great heart's desires and the cause of my life is to see Muslims come to Christ. And we're seeing that. Tonight I'm going to show you a five-minute video of hundreds of Muslims in Pakistan. When we preached in Pakistan, hundreds of Muslims literally giving their lives to Jesus and being baptized. Absolutely astounding. But one of the things that happens in the north of Liberia in the school is that we, we have children that are Christian from a ch Christian background, an animist background, and also from an Islamic background, Muslims. And we, we teach them to very simply thank God for their food. We teach them the Bible. We teach them to pray. And when they go home to their families, these Muslim children say to their parents before they eat food, can we just thank Jesus for what he's put in front of us? And many Muslim parents have absolutely no problem at all with their children praying to Jesus and thanking them for the food because they know that the education that their children is getting is impacting their lives and impacting the community. So we're just very excited about the opportunity to impact nations, especially in Nigeria, when it, in Liberia, when we're impacting the heart of a child and seeing that trans start to transform homes, lives, parents, etc., etc. So it's really exciting. So check out the table at the back. I'll, I'll be there at the end with Pastor Greg. Is Pam here? Pam, is she going to be here? 
No, perhaps you're, you're here. Pam, are you here? She just comes when she wants, yeah? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd like you to turn in two places in your Bible, please. Wow. You have a calendar here. Is that because you don't use a clock when the preacher passed? He uses a calendar instead of a clock. <laughs> I'd like you to turn, please, to um, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. And I also want you to turn to the very final verses in the book of Malachi, which is Malachi chapter 4, verses 6 and verse, sorry, verses 5 and 6. Over the last few years, I've been, on a, on a personal note, I think in a time of healing and a time of restoration. Even though I've been in ministry and ministered in, I think, nearly 60 different nations, traveled extensively, seen God do some incredible, incredible things. A number of years ago, it was like I hit the wall. And my marriage was in difficulty. I was in personal crisis. And my children weren't even sure if they could relate to me. And one of the things that I came to realize at that time was that we know about God and we have information about who He is and what He's like. But many times that information doesn't break into our hearts in terms of an experience. For example, we know about the God of love, but if we were really honest with ourselves and I, honest with myself, I'd never really encountered the love of God in my heart. And I realized that was the centerpiece of my crisis, that I was kind of looking for love but never found it. So I tried to do as much as I could, as well as I could do it, to try to win some sort of approval to try and know in my heart by my good deeds and my good works, I would be loved. But every time, every time, every time, every time, I would fall on my face, not finding what I was really looking for. And there came a point in 2005 when I started crying out to God. I said, God, I want you to reveal your love to me. I want to know and experience your love. I don't want to talk about something from an intellectual or informational point of view. I want to experience and encounter your love in the deepest crevices of my heart. And at that time, I started to see that there was a, throughout Scripture, and certainly as Jesus is depicted in the book of John, in this incredible relationship that he had with the Father. He's talking to the Father. The Father's encountering him. And everything was on to revealing who the Father was. Yes, Jesus was there. Yes, God was manifest in Jesus. But through that incarnation, Jesus was also pointing the way unto the Father. So Jesus would say that I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So there are many ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. So Jesus, yes, He's our Lord and Savior, and there's the one that has come and incarnated on this earth, but as well, He was pointing the way back unto Daddy God as a loving Heavenly Father. And that's what I didn't know and didn't realize. Right at the end of Malachi, in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming great and dreadful day of the Lord. And then he will turn the hearts of the fathers unto the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And so I started to ask myself a question. What is this coming of Elijah? What is this spirit of Elijah, this prophetic mantle of Elijah that is coming? 
And this prophetic mantle of Elijah, as it's depicted here in Malachi, is going to have a profound effect upon the families of the earth that the fathers will be turned unto the children and the children again unto the fathers. And so we see that Elijah, as Malachi was talking, he was talking about Elijah's spirit that mirrors something of the life and ministry of the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. And we know that he was a prophet. We know that he brought the word of the Lord. But in bringing the word of the Lord, he was truly a restorer. He wanted something to be restored back to where it should be or to where it was. He wanted restoration to take place. And so when Malachi talks about the spirit of Elijah restoring the hearts of the fathers under the children and the hearts of the children under the fathers, that was a huge part of the ministry of Elijah when he was upon this earth as a man. And as we're going to read about in a few moments in the book of Kings. And as well, one thing that we see as well when we look at his life, at Elijah's life, is that he was a father. Elijah was a father. He had a fathering spirit. And because he had a fathering spirit, he was able to restore with that prophetic mantle that was upon his life. You see, for many of us, myself included, I was brought up going to church. I'm a good Baptist kid, and probably many of you were brought up as Baptists. My dad's a Baptist pastor still today, but now he's very charismatic compared to what he was like 50, 60 years ago. And he's out there preaching, praying for the sick, cast, casting out demons and everything, you know, which is, which is wonderful. And it's very accepted within British culture now that that's a renewal has, has gone through the Baptist movement in the UK. But back in the day, back in the day, many of us would have a very strong paradigm on who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And we were comfortable with Jesus, which is great. And then many of us came into the Pentecostal and charismatic renewal, were baptized in the Spirit, started to experience some of the gifts of the Spirit. We spoke in tongues and we, we started to prophesy and to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. And then we had this revelation of the Holy Spirit. So we're comfortable with Jesus. And now over a process of time, because of renewal, we've become very comfortable with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to talking about the Father, we have to be honest, it's almost kind of a little bit out of balance in terms of the full dialogue about the full Trinity because we've talked about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and not so much about the Father. And I think one of the reasons for that is because when it comes to the Father, what many of us have done is that we've painted an image of our own Father over the face of Father God and therefore at times been very uncomfortable with even believing that we could have an intimate interaction with our Heavenly Daddy. And that was certainly true for me. And so we come to the story of Elijah and Elisha, which is an incredible story, but it mirrors something unique. It mirrors a father-son relationship. And not just that, it also mirrored the ministry of Jesus, then the ministry of the apostles and the disciples once the Spirit of God came upon them in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter, sorry, in 2 Kings chapter 2, um, this is where Elijah is about to depart. And believe me, he left this earth in style. 
I'm going to say, if you can choose on how you're going to leave, this would probably be right at the top of my, God, that's a good way, chariots of fire, trumpet, let's go that way. You know, let's save all the funeral expenses. Let, let's fly out of here, God, instead of getting put in the ground. Do you know what I mean? And he keeps telling Elisha that he's going to leave. He goes from Bethel, he goes from Gilgal to Bethel, then through Jericho, and, sorry, from, and, and then he comes to the Jordan. At the Jordan, he puts his cloak down on the Jordan, the river Jordan separates, and the two of them cross over on dry land. And Elisha has tenaciously held on to his coattails, not wanting to leave him, knowing that he had a call, a prophetic call, and a prophetic destiny on his life to continue the ministry that had been on Elijah. Are you with me? So he was taking it. He was continuing that ministry on. Then in verse 9, Elijah asked this question to Elisha. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, Let a double portion of your spirit come upon me. So he's following him. He's holding his coattails. Elijah turns around and says, Hey, this day, what can I do for you? And Elijah says this, let a double portion of your spirit come upon me. And so I used to think that it's like we get filled with the spirit twice in the same moment. And, you know, I thought, that's great. So instead of getting filled, we get filled, filled at the same moment. That kind of sounds good because it kind of gives the impression that we can get twice as much power or twice as much anointing or twice as much gifting right in the same moment. And it kind of sounded good and, it, and everything else. Until I started to read and pray and study, and I'm thinking, Elisha is, is actually asking for something more here. This is not so much a request for power. He wasn't asking for power. He was asking for something that at that particular time and moment in his life was far more important than having power. And so what it was, what is this double portion that he is asking for? Back in the book of Deuteronomy, way back there in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21 and verse 17, according to Mosaic law, something called the double portion was established within the culture and that was very important to the running of family and to the running of community. And this is what it says. But you shall acknowledge that the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength and the right of the firstborn is his. So what does that mean? That means that in the context of family, if you find a child without parents, they can be brought into the family and be given the same rights of the firstborn as the children that already exist within that family. In other words, you're now becoming their parents. They're taking on now your identity. They're joining your little community. You're becoming their father and their mother 
Of course, their physical looks are going to identify their original parents, but now, by definition, they're your son or your daughter. And the Old Testament called this double portion or a double portion. In our culture today, right throughout the Western world and throughout Africa as well, we call this adoption. And Paul as well calls it adoption in the New Testament. And so what was Elisha asking for? Elisha, as did Elijah, he had an incredible prophetic sense about his purpose upon this earth. He knew destiny. He knew God's call was upon his life for a purpose. And he knew part of that calling and purpose was to continue on what Elijah had started in bringing restoration into Israel. But Elisha, at this point, when Elijah is about to be taken from him, what he's requesting from Elijah, putting it in a a paraphrased term, is like this. Elijah, before you leave me today, I want you to be my daddy, and I want to be your son. I don't want to go any further just being a servant or an attendant, but I want to be known as your son. And I want to know you as my father. And that was the crisis point, if you like, in my heart. Because I was willing to serve God. I was willing to do duty. I was willing to do X, Y, Z. But I found it really difficult to know my God, my Father, as my Daddy. I could perform for Him. I could do something for Him. But Him being my Daddy was something that hadn't yet occurred In my heart. It's really interesting that this takes place right at the same place, almost identical place to where Jesus was when Jesus is being baptized, baptized by John the Baptist to fulfill all righteousness. And as Jesus is coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit in bodily form descends upon Jesus like a dove. And says, this is my beloved son in whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Almost the identical place. That happened in the Jordan. This incident with Elijah and Elisha somewhere somewhere very close to the river Jordan. And so Elisha is saying, I want you to be my daddy. And I realized that for many of us, we've acquired our identity through what we've done. Our identity has been defined by our works. Our identity has been defined by our good deeds, by by our jobs, by our tasks, by our requirements. And consequently, when our identity is defined by what we do, we come to the summation of all that and we say, I am this or or I am that. But the problem is when we have a bad hair day, I don't have many bad hair days because I have no hair, which just takes that right out of the equation. But when we have a bad hair day and we cannot do the very thing that we felt we were called to do so well, all of a sudden there is an identity crisis going on because our whole definition 
of who we are is based upon what we do. But what Jesus, what happened for Jesus in the River Jordan is that identity was affirmed and defined not as a consequence of what he did, but as a consequence of who he was. And who he was was connected with the fact that he was in a unique, loving, intimate relationship with his heavenly daddy. And so if we, if we look at it like this, it's like, here is our destiny or our inheritance. Here's our destiny. Here's what we do. And over here is our identity. We spend a lot of our time in our destiny trying to prove to ourselves who we are and defining who we are by what we do. But Jesus doesn't live like that. Jesus is a son because he knows his father loves him and he's in a relationship with his father. His identity is defined through an encounter and in the context of a relationship with his father. And then Jesus lived as a son and lived as a son on this earth before he became the Savior. Lived as a son before he taught, before he prophesied, before he preached, before he did miracles or signs and wonders. Everything came out of that relationship that he had with his heavenly daddy. It started from that particular point. And therefore his destiny flowed out of that. And so here we have Elisha saying right at the genesis of his ministry, Elijah, you've got to be my father. And I've got to be your son. Otherwise, none of this is really going to be worth it. I came to the crisis point in my life and I I started to pray a very simple prayer. My prayer life at the time was completely in shambles, so any short prayer that wasn't going to take me very long really did seem a good idea. And this prayer was, Father, come and love me. And I was challenged and encouraged to sit down every morning with my Bible, with my prayer journal, and with some quiet, soaking, instrumental music on, and to try and sit down for 30 to 60 minutes and simply say, Father, come and love me. I remember we came out of Africa in 2006, and my wife and I were as tired as we'd ever been. We weren't even sure if our marriage was going to make it. We weren't even sure if we were going to continue in ministry. We were so tired and burnt out. That's what happens to people when they go to Africa and their heart's not always in the right place. And we sat in our living room chairs literally for months and started to pray that very simple prayer, Father, come and love me. And at first it was kind of, I'm I'm talking to a wall. There's nothing there. My words are going into open space. But after some days and some weeks, as I started to pray that prayer, I could gently feel the love of the Father come into the room. And not only did the love of the Father come into the room, but the love of the Father started to break out into my heart. I started to experience tears that started just to run down my cheek. And all of a sudden, there was a new sense of passion that was being birthed in my heart and in my life. 
It's like a new desire to worship, a new desire to be with God, a new desire for His Word, a new desire just to be with Him and talk with Him and love Him. And I'd be running after that time. Father, I just want to sit with you and, and hear you tell me just one more time that you love me. Because now in a peculiar sort of way, I become addicted to that word that you would just tell me you love me. Because somehow that was creating a stronghold of security and incredible peace within my heart. I started to realize as well that, that, that literally has his liquid love poured over my heart that I didn't have to strive to be anybody. I didn't have to try and find my destiny or strive to be anybody. He simply wanted me to sit in that place and absorb that love and partake in that love. Weeks, months literally went by. Almost every time I would just sit there just crying and weeping as that love broke into my heart. For a number of years up to that point, I'd struggled with pornography on and off. I struggled with sexual addiction. My marriage wasn't in a good place. My children weren't really responding to me the way I felt they should have been. You know how it is. And I'd become so focused on my problems, on trying to resolve my problems because I knew I had to get them right. But it hadn't dawned upon me that what the Father wanted was my heart. And once he got my heart, things just radically, radically changed. I discovered that it's passion that changes us. It's not religious law that changes us, or even discipline. But it's a fiery passion in a believer's heart that changes our lives. And that pushes us unto Jesus. That pushes us to a place where we can be delivered and can be freed. Not that discipline is not important, of course it is. But it's passion that does it. It's passion in the believer's heart. And coming out of that time, refreshed, all of a sudden, a new marriage. All of a sudden, our relationship with the kids being completely restored. And now the father, every time you mention Daddy God, there's a tear in his eye. See, what happened for Elijah, Elisha that day, was that he found out who his father was. It was resolved in his heart once and for all that even though this man is leaving, this man is my daddy. And not only is he my daddy, but if he's my daddy, that, me, that makes me his son. And that changes everything. Paul, in his amazing writings in the book of Romans, says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. He says, for you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Wow. What happened for Elisha? He was adopted. What happened to us? We found out we were adopted. We found out who our daddy really was. And that he's really good. It's interesting that we read through the Bibles and these terms of stories stick to us. And one of those, one of those terms of, of a, these stories, parables of Jesus, is the, the story of what we call the prodigal son. But the word prodigal is from a Latin word, 
relating to outrageous behavior, but not necessarily negative. It could be in front of negative behavior, but it could also be put in front of excessive good behavior. And the story that Jesus told about the two sons is a story of a prodigal daddy who was extreme in love, who was absolutely outrageous in love, who would absolutely go to the nth degree to win back his son and to have his son at home with him. It was all about a prodigal daddy, not about a prodigal son. It was about a prodigal dad. Now, I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I'm going to pray that the spirit of adoption would touch your hearts, would capture your hearts, and that you would leave this place with a fresh revelation on who Daddy God really is. Tonight, we, we, we are going to do, uh, I will be doing quite a bit of prophetic ministry, praying for people. I, I see a lot of pictures on people, um, visions and stuff, and I will actually, be sh- we, we, we will actually be sharing that. And I feel that just right now, I need to just pray for just a couple of people. Is that, is that okay? Just, 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 to, just to pray for a, a couple of people, just to give them uh, exactly what I see. Um, Chris, I met Chris last night. Could you stand up a moment, Chris? Um, I just, I just, w- what happens sometimes is I look and God just straight away just gives me a picture for somebody or for a person. And that happened to you just a minute ago, Chris. I looked across at you and I saw your life is like a train. And that your life, you're not you're not going to come off the rails, so don't worry, okay? But you're, you're on the right path, but the Lord's going to change the engine. I saw um, an old locomotive pulling these carriages, but the Lord says he's going to do, there's, there's two things that are going to happen. It's almost like he's going to give you one of those French high-speed trains. The, the, the fastest trains in the world are in Japan and in France. And they're 200, over 200 kilometers an hour. And I see that over you, Chris, that, that, that God is going to open things up for you to, I believe there's going to be traveling open up for you, and it's going to go faster than it's gone before. And you felt frustrated because it's gone slower than what you'd expected it. Because you have in heart, like a, a French high-speed train, they go, they go really fast. And I just want to say that to you, that the Lord, over this year, the remainder of this year and the first part of next year, is, is like going to open some things up for you where you can move faster than you've actually gone before in the past. So I just bless you with that. I bless the gifting and calling upon your life. The Lord's going to accelerate that actually over your life. God bless you. Wow. Um, this gentleman here, you're, you two obviously are together. We met this morning, didn't we? Yeah, um, the, 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 this is a little bit strange, but I'm just, I want to share with you what I really think the Lord is going to be doing with you. There's been a, a big softening in your heart. It's almost like over the years, the Father has really been working on your heart, tenderizing it, tenderizing it, tenderizing it, tenderizing it, tenderizing it. And it's like it's gone on, and at times you says, how much more God? And it just keeps going. It's tenderizing, tenderizing, tenderizing. And the Father is preparing you to share, like, a ministry, um, not necessarily, it, it, it might be speaking, but to share the, the heart of the Father with, with, with many people that you get to make, actually make, make, make contact with. And I see your life, like, your life is like rings. You're, you, you are here. What's your name? Mark. It's like your life is here, but you're in, in a, a little bit of your life is here, a little bit of your life is here, a little bit there. And everywhere you go, you're, you're going to be cross-pollinating with 
not just who you are, but giving away who you are as well. And it's going to have a profounder effect, and it's going to be drawing people more on to the presence of God and the presence of the Father and it's his love. So I see, Mark, God doing that in your life as well. And you, you guys are really in this together. You know that. You kind of, you really are, literally are joined at the hip. Okay? And uh, it's, it's like what the ministry that the Father brings you into, going, going into these other groups, sharing who you are and being who you are, you, you're going to be very much doing this together in partnership together as a couple. So I, I bless you. What's your name again, man? BJ. BJ, that's right. Should have remembered that. So I bless you guys with that in Jesus' name. And also, BJ, your eyes, the Father is opening your eyes to see more than you've ever seen before. If not just what you see in the physical, but what you see in the spirit realm as well. To have the eyes of your heart open that you might see to what the Father has actually called you to. So bl- bless you guys in a, in a very, very special way. Amen? Yeah. Amen. God is good, yeah? yeah. Are you happy? Yeah. Any more funny stories? No. No, please. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Perhaps we could stand up, could we? <clears throat> I just want to give you um, an opportunity. And just an, an, I know it's going to be, we haven't got a lot of time, but... If this message this morning has touched you and you want to say, God, I just need that love to work in my heart and I want to be your adopted son and daughter. I want to know you as a daddy. Not, not you know, I, I want to have that personal encounter with you. If that's you this morning, I just want you to put your hand up to say, yeah, I want that in my heart. Okay, I wonder if you could do something very, very quickly. I know it's going to, just a few minutes, if you could just quickly move to the front and I'm just going to pray over you and then you can be able to go back to your seat. I just really believe it's important that we make that public declaration to say, God, I want it. I want that love to be working in my heart. Wow. That's very good. That's very encouraging. Well, I guess I had the right message this morning. (laughs) Perhaps you could just put your hands out in front of you and say, Father, I thank you for today that you spoke to me and that you love me. And I ask you, Father, that your love would encounter my heart and it would change me that I would know what it means to be your adopted son and daughter in Jesus' name. So come, Father, with your fiery love and love my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may go back to your seats. And Pastor Greg. As you're going back to your seats, as I was listening to Andy, uh, one of the thoughts I had um, uh, with his sermon, I just felt like there were people, and, and thankful that Andy prayed for us, I felt like there were some people that just said, I want to know God like that, but I don't know if he'll reveal himself to me like that. I mean, the, the enemy was just attacking your mind, even as you were listening to him, uh, that, wow, that's good for Andy. As I've been with Andy, and as you hear more stories, I mean, God, he, he's a broken individual in the sense that uh, he's gone through stuff that's very painful. He's not just a polished person, although he preaches with great power. But, uh, but I mean, he's, he's walked through some, some betrayals, some very tough times. And as I was listening to it, I just, I just felt like the enemy was, was, was trying to rob the seed before it could really take root in your life. And so what I want you to know, the message he prayed today for you to meditate on is that God wants to reveal himself as father to every one of us. And, and, and you are a candidate if you're breathing. 
All right, you're breathing, you're a candidate for that. There's nothing you are doing that doesn't make you a candidate. You're not bad enough, you're not good enough. The Father's heart wants to come there. So I know as he was saying that, I just felt like there was somebody here. And so if I'm saying that, then you're going, wow, that's what I was thinking, Greg. That's because God wanted to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ that's against the knowledge of Jesus and allow himself to reveal you that way. Uh, Andy's going to be here tonight and minister prophetically, as you said. We're going to worship too, uh, and so we'll have time of worship. God moves in the place of that, so if you want to be a part of that. I know Alpha's going on, so I know there are going to be some people that are involved in that over there. Um, and then we'll take up a special offer for him tonight. If you wanted to give something, you're, you're, for whatever reason, can't be here tonight, there'll be an offering plate out in the foyer there for him if you'd like to leave that to the revival to the nations. A lot of different ministry items that he does. Was he, um, As you know, all of our missionaries, funding from other places is a big part of what makes missions happen. Uh, it doesn't come directly from there. Some of it does, but not enough. And so uh, that's one of the things he does is he helps see that as he raises funds for those 500 children. Jonathan Melissa saw that. I do. He's going to share that. I'll share a little bit about that tonight. But it was amazing to realize that we have an opportunity to influence another generation through these children. That's That's really the challenge right there is that these kids don't have fathers and mothers, many of them, because they died in the war. So it's kind of an open generation that's looking to say what is, you know, what are we supposed to be and who and all of those things. And so that ministry in Liberia specifically is way open for that. So if you'd like to give for that offering plate uh, out there, you could do that. If you're not going to be back here tonight, if you're coming tonight, then you can give to that tonight. All right, let me have a word of prayer, dismissal, and uh, you can go and have a beautiful spring break. Father, we bless you. We thank you that you've revealed your heart to us, God, that you... Um, through all your life, that Lord, we thank you when Jesus said, if you've seen me, we've seen the Father, and we saw how Jesus interacted with us. Uh, you became living flesh so we could see the, the love of the Father in our lives. And so, God, we ask that you would bless the seed that's gone out in the Word, that it would find fertile soil in our heart to produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. Lord, let not the enemy take it away quickly. Let not an argument, let not our own self-esteem take any of that or choke it out, uh, cares of the world choke out. Father, we pray that today what we heard was seed that's going to produce in our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you here tonight.